Mindfulness Mode, Episode 2. At its core, mindfulness is mental training. You're training the mind. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I want to challenge you today. If you know anyone whose life would be improved with mindfulness, to share this podcast with them. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. It's a complete pleasure to introduce my guest today, Jen Moff. Jen, are you in mindfulness mode? You better believe it. Fantastic. Jen is a domestic abuse survivor, and she's a recovering codependent. But more importantly, she's Wonder Woman. Jen embraces mindfulness in her life and describes mindfulness as a beautiful and powerful tool that helps to heal and find peace. Jen says this. She says, I have lived. I have learned. I have stumbled. But I got up. And you will too. Jen is a coach to women and a speaker. In her coaching, she uses MBLF, which stands for Mindfulness-Based Life Coaching. It has made Jen into the wonder woman she is today. Jen, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Well, I think you covered a a really nice bit of it. The mindfulness-based life coaching is something that I've actually pioneered. I recognized my passion for mindfulness in and of itself and the practice and the benefits that it's had for me. And one of my natural skill sets that people have continually asked for from me is that life coaching piece. So I married them together and realized that that doesn't really exist out there. We have mindfulness-based stress reduction therapy, but we didn't have anything in this sphere. So I'm really excited about what the future holds for it and uh, looking forward to helping as many people as I can. So that that's something that I'm really proud of. And in addition to that, I travel around the U.S. and speak at conferences and women's events as well as small business events and things um, and also feminist-related organizations to help empower and transform and inspire others to really become the best possible versions of themselves that they can be. So that's that's my passion and that's what I do. And I love your attitude and I love your smile. I know if you're listening to the podcast today, you can't see Jen's smile, but it is just radiant. And it uh. goes along perfectly with that optimistic, upbeat confident attitude that you're hearing. I think you absolutely should be proud for what you're doing with your MBLF mindfulness-based life coaching because you know what? I think the world is waking up. I think the world is waking up to mindfulness and understanding that, yes, this is really something that can make huge, huge changes in people's lives. And as a person who's worked in bullying prevention for years, I certainly see it happening there too. So, so exciting to see someone like you, Jen, doing this, implementing this in the world. Everyone has a life path that takes them in interesting directions, which it definitely has with you. Tell us, what inspired Inspired you at the very beginning? What motivated you to begin the practice of mindfulness way back when? Well, mindfulness for me came about not out of 
ooh, I need something to help calm me down. I need something to, um, you know, deal with, you know, emotional regulation or anything of that nature. It was a period when I was in a really, really deep, dark depression. And it was shared with me by someone close to me that I needed to be more mindful. And honestly, I'd never heard the term. So I, I looked like a caveman that had just seen fire for the first time, just like, Oh, fire. What, what is this? You know, it just, it, it was so like fascinating to me. And a book was recommended to me. I started checking it out and couldn't get enough of it. And it's been so transformative because it allowed me to look at myself objectively and without the weight of judgment. And that's super important, super, super important for people. It really is that whole judgment piece. I mean, we all do it. I think we all do it. But if we can learn exactly how to identify when we're doing it and then back off a bit, that can really make a big difference for sure. Can you tell us a little bit more in detail about how you use mindfulness in coaching? Sure. It varies per client because I really try to make sure that I'm meeting their needs, not just serving an agenda, so to speak. Um, But it can be as simple as spending half of our call with me doing a guided meditation for them. Um, And it's different from transcendental meditation in that we aren't practicing with mantras or seated in like fancy hoity-toity positions. You know, yesterday I had a client, she was out in nature and just, you know, stood out there on her phone and I guided her through, you know, a 20 minute long session. Other clients, it looks more like the compassion piece that comes with it. So we don't necessarily always do a meditation within one of the calls or sessions. Sometimes it's more just about cultivating and making that awareness of how to be gracious to yourself and to live in the now as opposed to the past or the future and finding that tension to be a safe and comfortable place. I like how you worded that, how to be gracious to yourself. You know, when I was a teenager, I remember people saying to me, well, you know, you have to learn to love yourself. And I found that a concept that was difficult for me at the time. Mm. And what does that really, how can I love myself? You know, like, and I'm sure lots of us have struggled with that at one time or another here at Mindful Tribe. I know a lot of my clients talk to me about this, but the way you put it, how to be gracious to yourself. It's so interesting that you're embracing mindfulness the way you have. I just want to ask you, we all have different times in our lives when we struggle with certain things. Was there ever a time when, you know, you kind of got on board with mindfulness, but then you kind of started to second guess yourself and you thought, well, is this really for real? Is this really legit? Did you ever have a time like that, Jen? 
In the beginning, I definitely did because at its core, mindfulness is mental training. You're training the mind. And just like if you go to the gym to work out your triceps, you have to start slow, you have to start small, and you have to work up and build the muscle over time. And there's times when the burn of your arm is excruciating. And so you're like, I'd rather just sit on the couch and eat bonbons and watch TV. You know, <laughs> obviously it's a little tongue in cheek. I felt but, that. <laughs> um, you know, the, the premise is that it, it's something that you have to work at and anything that's new and different is going to take us some time to get used to because there is that, um, pain that's associated with it, but not in a destructive way, in a constructive way. And that's the thing we have to remind ourselves as it gets uh, over time a little frustrating. But yeah, in the beginning, it definitely wasn't something that was as easy to come to as now. And I, I, I had my moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure we all have. We're going to get a little deeper here, Jen. I'm interested in your specific career of coaching women. And I know that you do coach women who have suffered different kinds of abuse or trauma. And I'm just wondering if you can share with us a story, a transformation, someone that you've helped, a specific situation, of course, confidentiality in mind, obviously. But could you share a story with us that we could resonate with here at Mindful Tribe? Sure. There was a client that I had who didn't realize the extent of her choices with this gentleman. And it was through the coaching that she was able to see the truth. And it took time because again, like we, we just talked about mindfulness is something that has to be strengthened and grown over time. So definitely what I could see for her and what she could see was two different things initially. But with the coaching and allowing herself to just observe what was going on in her choices, in her life and the people around her without, you know, feeling like I was attacking her or shaming her. It was more just observations. She was able to see things for herself. And that happened at a much more quick pace than in situations that I've experienced with therapists or counselors that maybe don't integrate this practice. She's since ended that relationship and has really begun to take a look at the why behind how she got to that place so she doesn't make those same mistakes and fall into relationships that aren't safe or healthy for her. Good to hear. I was just going to ask how... And why do you think you're able to connect with a woman like that? What is it about you that enables you to do that? That's that's a complex question. It first. Is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, in some ways, I think it's it's a gift because it's not something that I've had to like read up and study how to connect with people, how to make people like you, anything like that. It's mm-hmm. just something that is innate for me and you know, that that's something that I've been given. I feel compelled to use it. Additionally, I think that 
if you go a little bit deeper, emotional and social intelligence play a key factor. And that's also directly embedded into mindfulness too, as, as you know. So, Yes, well, that makes sense. Jen, here at Mindful Tribe, we know that there's discipline involved in mindfulness. And if you don't have that discipline, it's going to fall away. It's not going to be maintained. How have you been able to maintain the discipline to keep mindfulness happening in your life in an ongoing basis? It's a great question. It's, it's not easy. Um, there's definitely days that I'm not as proactive with it, but because I've practiced it some in the beginning, even there's an almost immediate result that you see, even from your very first session. And that in and of itself says a whole lot and it's super powerful for people. So to see the results almost immediately is something that really inspires people to stick with it. Even if you make mistakes, even if you forget about doing it for a week, even if you are not a mindful eater and you just, you know, shovel food in to wash your emotions away, you know, there's that non judgmental piece that immediate results that you see initially is what is so inspiring for me to stick with it for others I've seen that practice to stick with it and over time it gets easier and easier and that that's the case with anything but at its core regardless of whether this is mindfulness or this is you know losing 20 pounds or you know, starting a new job, whatever it is, I can't make anyone do it. They have to have a bigger reason inside their why, so to speak, that's going to drive them. And if they're not ready, they're just not ready. And that's something for a recovering codependent I've had to accept and learn and grow from as well, because it's not my job to make them do anything. It's not within my power or control to we're all like you said on our own journey and sometimes that means letting people make the choices that they make and stepping back and when they're ready if they're ready they'll step forward and talk to me about it again so it's it's a little bittersweet but mindfulness is always there and its power is undeniable Yes. I sense that you're very intuitive and you're very intuitive to others, but also I think to yourself. I noticed that when you said from the very first session of mindfulness, you noticed a difference within yourself. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. If you can notice that difference within yourself, then it definitely gives you the reason and the momentum to move forward. Jen, I want to ask you about your specific practice of mindfulness a little bit, if you don't mind. I know it's very private, but I'm just wondering things about, you know, whether you use guided meditations or just absolute silence, how long you me- you me- meditate or this kind of thing. Sure. Um, it varies for me. Uh, it depends. Uh, like you said a moment ago about being intuitive. I really try to listen to myself. In fact, that was my word for 2015 is listen. So um, I've got a couple of different things that I cycle through, so to speak. Sometimes I do like to sit 
with some kind of wooji wooji new age music on in the background. Maybe it's the sound of the beach or the ocean or, you know, what, whatever, what have you. And just sit in that silence and just focusing on my breath, even for as short a time period as five minutes. Um, that, that's something that I've done, uh, that I enjoy doing. Sometimes I do listen to my own guided meditations, um, that I put out. Like if I'm in the car or something and something has has stressed me out, I find that it's really good to have someone else guiding you. And, um, there's also some other tools that I, I like that, that help me that we'll talk about in a little bit, maybe, um, that add to my practice. But a lot of times I find that it's more just in silence, um, in the evenings that I like to have my, my practice. It's a good way to end the day, to clear everything out from all of the people and the places and the stress. It helps center me before I can really get some restful sleep. Some people like it in the mornings. I'm, I'm a nighttime gal. It's just, just my way. <laughs> All right. Thanks for sharing that. It's good to hear what others do with mindfulness. Jen, my questions for the next part are the multi-mode Ooh. round. Yes, it's my favorite favorite segment. And so all we need are short 30-second answers. That's perfect. Here's the first question. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? John Kabat-Zinn. He's the guy that brought it over to the U.S., to, you know, western parts of, of the world. You know, that, that was a pioneering movement and it's made it possible for me to be where I am. Um, so, yeah, definitely him. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Jen? Definitely less reactive, Um I was originally a theater major when I went to college 15 years ago and I would get teased that I was quite the drama queen at the time and I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that that label is not used to describe me anymore. Um, I've totally revamped how I respond in heated situations because of it. It's, It's uncanny. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. Breathing is is central. It's paramount. The breath is the one constant that we have. And some people like to use other things to focus on in place of the breath. But I find it's it's easier. It's more holistic for me. And, you know, as a person who's also really interested in transpersonal psychology, it's it's really powerful for me to focus on within and the breath is always there. So that, that is my, my go-to, so to speak. Jen, if you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. I have two, but the one that sticks out the most is Mindful Manifesto. It's a great book for people at any point in their journey, but it's written in a way that's really accessible if you're new to the practice. And it offers a number of different exercises so that you've got something tangible as well to work through as you're reading. So definitely check out Mindful Manifesto. I will check that out. If you could recommend an app 
that has to do with mindfulness or one that helps you to be more mindful, what would it be? There's an app that I use called Enso. It's spelled E-N-S-O. And it's very simple in what it does. It allows you to select the sound of the gong or chime, whatever language you want to use. Um, It allows you to select how long the total duration of practice is going to be. It allows you to select how frequently you'll hear that chime because for solo practice, you want kind of a, an intermittent sound to keep you aware of how long you're, you're in just to keep you kind of present and focused. Um, and then it also has kind of like a pre chime. So you can set it for say 10 seconds before your official mindfulness session is going to start. So it'll bong at the beginning and all of that is really beautifully designed as well. And that that's all it does. Um, it's, it's great for solo work. Thanks for sharing that. What advice would you give a person who wants to improve their focus and start becoming more mindful? I think that in the beginning, like many things, we just have to do the things that we aren't comfortable with. And if we can find a way to reframe discomfort and pain as being a sign that we are growing and getting better, then that's a way to lean in to that discomfort that comes with trying something new, like mindfulness. Excellent. That concludes our multimode round, Jen. And I'm just reflecting on our conversation here, and I'm, I'm thinking about how I said earlier that I think the time has come. I think more and more people in the world are are starting to learn about mindfulness and get on board with this. But what message would you have to the world to try to share with the world the idea that mindfulness is so valuable and can really make your life better? How would you word that or explain it? I think the best way to say that is to ask yourself a question. Like you had said at one point, you know, you've got to learn to love yourself. You know, I think that's really simplistic. And, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of pithy statements at times, but, right. you know, we're, we're, we're complex beings. So yes. I don't know how realistic that is. So you have to ask yourself what you want for this life. Really think about what it would look like if at the end of your life you didn't have those things. And you're there in the final moments and reflecting, is there going to be regret? Is there going to be sadness? Is there going to be disappointment? If you can feel those things for the future you, then that's your sign that you need to start making some changes today. The book On Death and Dying is a really great tool to aid in that thought process as well. That's very powerfully put. Very compelling. Thank you very much, Jen. And it's been a complete pleasure to share this time with you today. And I know I'm inspired by the differences you're making in the world in the lives of women. It's tremendous. Tell tell us how Mindful Tribe can contact you and learn more about what you do. You can find me on the World Wide Web at www.thegenmoff.com. And I'm all over social media, same handle, the Jen Moff on Twitter, my Facebook page, 
Pinterest, um, Instagram and LinkedIn, you know, any, any one of those places you'll, you'll be able to find me. I try to make myself quite accessible for you. Well, thank you for doing that. And it's really cool how you simply put the word the T H E the word the at the beginning of your name. And all of a sudden you are totally unique. It's a brand. We can find you anywhere. That's your handle on every social media. That's powerful. We will find you the genmoff.com. Thank you so much once again, Jen, for being with us today and all the best to you. We'll see you next time on mindfulness mode. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out MindfulnessMode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.